0: Well good evening. It's good to see everybody that's here this evening. Uh, glad to have you joining with us there uh, online. So I want to welcome you there on FaceTime, on uh, YouTube, FaceTime, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Uh, I've been working in the yard today and I was too hot when I was working in the yard, so I'm exhausted. I'm even jittery. Uh, some tonight so uh, but just want to make sure you have those there uh, be sure to heart to like to share subscribe uh, click the notification bells that'll get all that stuff out there it'll also get you the notifications when we go live and then also just want to say welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming welcome to you also. if you need that number i uh, will be glad to give that to you let me encourage you to go to our church website at highland baptist church Dot com. It's under the info tab there that you can download today's, this week's worship bulletin. Uh, those are in the windowsills and at the door as you come in. Uh, also, the children's worship bulletins there in the windowsill to my right. You can download those under that info tab. You can send the link to anybody you want. And then also the prayer list is there, so be sure to get the prayer list uh, downloaded uh, and because we'll be going over that uh, in just a little bit. Uh, If there is any prayer requests that you need to make, please be sure to do that on Facebook. That's where we'll see the live requests there. You can do it on any of the others. We'll see it afterwards and get it on the list. You can email us anything you want of an update or an addition to the list, or you can call the church office uh, either way. So just wanted to make you aware of that. And then you can do your online giving there also on the church website. Go to the far right-hand side, click that Give Online tab. And you can do your online giving there. Uh, you can do that from in person or in the offering plates, uh, envelopes, or in the window sills if you need that. Be careful sitting in the pews. Uh, the, you don't, maybe don't have somebody sitting in a pew in front of you, it, it may jump over easier. So be careful. Brother Mike. start. You ever heard of Christmas in July? So <laughs> it's kind of like that a little bit tonight. <laughs> Christmas in July. Let me get this up here. Let me, hopefully, you've had the opportunity to get your prayer list uh, downloaded there. Um, I've got my iPad open here to uh, Facebook Live so that I can see any requests that you might give us uh, there uh, online. Uh, If you happen to see the wide shot angle of our uh, stage here, you'll notice a ladder over here. They're working on some lights in here, so lighting's a little bit different uh, in here tonight, uh, in person as well as online. So uh, they're working to get some of those uh, things uh, corrected there. As you take a look at your prayer list there, we've made some updates uh, to some uh, on the prayer list, and so want to just go down uh, especially... Uh, beginning uh, about Phil Henderson, uh, he's the one that I know of. That's the most one of the upcoming ones. Uh, There's some that have just recently had uh, some surgeries, but um, Phil Henderson has knee replacement surgery coming up. Uh, has anybody heard any more on his when that is? 21st of August. All right and then also Sandra Wells uh, is going to be having her uh, kidney stones uh, her surgery with that does anybody have that date I know I have it in a text but I didn't bring that text up the wrong one messenger Uh, I'll come back to hers in just a second after I find it there if I do have it yeah she must have sent that to me in a text message Um, we also have uh, Kathy hasty she had her surgery uh, yesterday and she's doing well uh, from that so we just want to praise the Lord uh, for, for her surgery uh, does anybody know any more about Leona Ross I know she was in the hospital in Michigan but I haven't heard any updates on her if she's gotten out of the hospital yet or not we do want to keep her uh, in our prayers and just continue to remember her Uh, So I have have, uh, Sandra Wells update. Her surgery is going to be August the 25th. But she said if the kidneys uh, give her some problems before then, they can do the surgery earlier. Uh, But we do want to remember her for August the 25th for her surgery. Mark Raymond, uh, as some of you know, went into the hospital on Sunday uh, morning. Um, Let me get this back bigger where I can... See your request. Uh, Mark Raymond went into the hospital Sunday morning. Uh, We did not give a call out because they asked us not to. Uh, But he had some tests that were being done on his uh, kidneys to make sure things were doing okay there uh, because they were seeing some things. I don't know all the details of that. uh, Other than that Monday, the results were doing good. Uh, His nausea was under control. He did have a uh, burn on his foot. Uh, Don't ask me where or how. (laughs) I just know that he did. That did get infected went yesterday yes yesterday to the foot specialist and so uh, they did give him uh, antibiotic with the foot specialist where they didn't at the hospital and so he is on the mend but still has a ways to go with that Uh, you know that he has neuropathy and so he's actually feeling pain through uh, that he's having breakthrough pain from Uh, the infection so we just want to keep him uplifted in our prayers and that's as much as I know that I can share with you. I do know Carolyn Waller uh, had a procedure yesterday and I've not heard an update on her either. Has anybody heard from her? Okay it was an outpatient procedure uh, so I assume things are okay there because I've not heard any different. Uh, We do want to also remember Rick Miller uh, and his family in the passing of his mother they don't know any of the updates yet uh, the arrangements uh, he and his brother were are going to be talking sometime today uh, to start talking about what they might do for arrangements she was in a, a facility over in Woodbury is where she was and so um, we'll let you know as soon as we know that but you'll see that also on the other side uh, on the family and friends with the family of Libby Kine that's his mother um, also, my cousin, who we've been praying for, uh, who lives here in Tennessee, she passed away on Monday morning, and so Cindy Cruz, and so uh, they are uh, doing her visitation tomorrow. That's why I needed to get my yard and stuff mowed today because I haven't mowed it all weekend with family, other family that was in with Samantha's sister and stuff. So I'll be going up to Waverly uh, tomorrow uh, for that, and in the process picking my brother up at the uh, airport uh, tomorrow to go for the visitation for that. Uh, and then they'll be doing another service down in Florida, but I didn't want to I didn't think I'd be able to go for that. So just remember that family. Her son, Hunter, uh, we've told you before, has cancer. They uh, had removed some place some polyps and stuff in his uh, colon, and he has the exact same kind of cancer that she had. And she, he is, if I'm not mistaken, he is uh, twenty six. And so we want to keep him uh, in our prayer still. That's Hunter Cruz. Uh, on the prayer list there. And then also the family of Bryce Sermon, uh, and this is one that um, I didn't get the information of. It was given to Amy today, a uh, six-year-old who passed away in a car wreck. Uh, it's the grandson of Linda Miller's friend, uh, and so we want to remember that family in prayer. Uh, Laura Hendricks, uh, who is the daughter of Becky Moffat, she still has a ways to go with her stuff, so we want to keep her in your prayers too and then uh, all the others up the list there are still uh, long-term situations Uh, on the Matthew Ratcliffe one, I did hear that he got um, uh, an offer from a school uh, and I don't remember the name of the school now Uh, so that was good uh, for him to possibly be able to Uh, go to a college but just he's still got a lot of recovering to do from his car accident so just continue uh, to pray for him uh, for college and then um, just remember all of our nursing home uh, people Mary Campbell Peggy Eggleston Susie Barton Bertie Davis and Miss Janet Carter Uh, are there any others that you have to add tonight any other updates I'm looking at Facebook and I don't see anything And uh, just this cousin of mine, Cindy, she um, was kind of like a sister to me and my brothers. Uh, her, and her, sis- her and her sister were like sisters. I it was all boys and my mama uh, with, with our family. Uh, her, my mom's sister, they were all boys, uh, but her cousin had girls. And so they were like our, our sisters uh, growing up. And she's a couple of years younger to me, about the same age as my brothers. Uh, so remember that family. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer then I don't see any others on the on Facebook or here Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness And we thank you God that you are the awesome almighty powerful God that you are Lord, we come to you in our weakness. We come to you in our in our humility we come to you Lord acknowledging our sinfulness as we see who you are lord and as we see that if we confess and profess to be a christian we're to be like christ and yet so often in our lives we are f- far from what we should be uh, whether that's in our in our actions that we do the things we do or whether that's in the things we say or even in the thoughts that we think uh, or even in lord in the things that maybe we don't do that you've told us we should be doing And so because of that, Lord, we know we are sinners who need your forgiveness. We are sinners, many of us who are here tonight, who are saved by grace. Uh, But we also want to be in fellowship with you. We don't want anything to hinder our prayers with you. We continue to want to and desire to see your hand at work in Powerful ways in, in these people that we're praying for maybe there's unspoken requests that we might have uh, also and so I pray Heavenly Father for you to just uh, hear our hearts tonight and make yourself known to us that we would see even the darkest recesses of our heart that we might confess any ungodliness that might be within our lives father as we confess those things we profess and claim the promise that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. You're faithful to cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered anymore. And that's hard for us to fathom, Lord, because we tend to remember it. Uh, But, Lord, we just want to come before you and bring those sins and ask for your cleansing, your forgiveness. Uh, We ask for your grace and your mercy. And we ask, Lord, for you to wash us as white as snow uh, restore us into a right relationship with you, that we might be used by you, that we might be heard by you, and, Lord, that we might serve you. Father, I pray that uh, we'll worship you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind by the, by the very things that we do and don't do. Uh, Father, I pray that we'll be careful to think about what we're about to do or what we're about to say uh, so that we don't find ourselves in situations uh, of our own undoing. So, Father, we want to come before you tonight and just uplift each one of these people. You know their hearts and their lives. Some have just recently uh, gone through some surgeries. And, Lord, they they may be hurting. They may be experiencing some pain from those surgeries. And we just want to uplift them to you, Lord, and, and ask for your healing hand to be upon them, to continue to give them the strength and the restoration that they need. Uh, We want to continue, God, to just ask for you to embrace them in your loving arms. We pray, Lord, for those who have upcoming surgeries. They may have, along with that, some anxiety, uh, some worries about the surgeries and procedures they have. And so, Lord, we just pray that you will give them a peace that passes all understanding as they get ready for those upcoming surgeries. Lord, there are those who are going through long-term illnesses and and lord the the road gets weary and and it gets hard and toilsome uh, when you continually have to deal with the the physical problems of this life or maybe uh, other issues maybe even mental issues or or emotional issues or maybe there's the financial strains of life or maybe there's some marital strains or or even family father we just want to uplift those needs to you and we know god that you are capable and able to mend any heart Uh, any brokenness within our lives, any area, Lord, where we're not in a right relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray that you will mend us and you will restore us uh, to be uh, whole in our hearts and whole with others. Uh, Father, we know that you've told us in your word that those two great commands are to love you and to love others. And, Father, I pray that we would make sure that we are in a right relationship with you by making sure we're in a right relationship with others. And so, Father, I pray that if there is any of that brokenness in our hearts, our lives between family members or spouses or or our work uh, friends that we work with, Father, whoever it might be, I pray, God, that you'll uh, restore us through those things. Lord, there are some people on this list who have recently lost some loved ones. Some, some very tragic situations, especially as we think about this six-year-old who passed away in a car wreck. Lord, we just want to uplift all of these to you, and we ask, Lord, that you will comfort the hearts of these families. We pray, God, that you will make yourself known to them and show your peace uh, and your grace to them, and Father, I pray that you will uh, just walk with them as the shepherd does through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, that they would fear no evil, but that they would be restored and strengthened in their walk, Lord, with you. Uh, as they go through these things. Lord, if there are any of these people we're praying for on this list who who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, we pray that these situations they're going through would cause them to turn to Jesus. Uh, Lord, that they wouldn't get bitter with with you, but Lord, they would see that you are the hope, you are the answer uh, for their situations and their lives. And so, Father, I pray that you will just have your hand upon them to stir their hearts. Uh, to faith in jesus christ for others lord who are christians we pray that you'll help them to remain faithful lord we pray that you'll help them to be steadfast uh, through the difficulties that they're going through, that it might be a witness and testimony to their family, to their friends, to people around them, maybe even to people they don't even know uh, because they're hearing, we're hearing the stories of so many. And so, Father, I pray that as we share the stories of those who are going through difficulties and how you have walked with them through those times, may it be a powerful witness and, uh, to those who don't know Christ. And, Father, I pray that it will bring glory and honor to your name. And so, Lord, also as we come tonight to study your word, we come to the book of Micah once again. And, Lord, it, it is a small book, but it is a powerful book. And I just pray once again as we open this book, may you open it, Lord, uh, for our hearts, for our souls to, to renew us, Lord, to give us strength, to feed us uh, from your word. May it give us uh, not only uh, the, the, the information, about what happens here and the the prophecies that are given here in this passage, but also the application, Lord, for our lives and how we should be living in light of these truths. And so, Father, I pray that that's where we'll see and experience the change in our hearts and our lives tonight through the book of Micah. So bless us, have your hand upon us, uh, and may your word go before us to lead us and guide us in the path of life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We'll take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5. So Micah chapter 5. I've entitled the message tonight, The Promised Messiah. If you'll remember, When we were talking about chapter 4, chapter 4 began some of the promises that God was making to the people of Israel. Uh, It was, uh, as you had looked at chapters 1 through 3, those were the passages where Micah is preaching to the people, if you don't repent, here's the judgment that's coming. Judgment, judgment, judgment. And so often, that's what we think of when we think of Old Testament passages. We think of God's judgment, God's judgment. Where's His love? Well, you see that in chapter 4, uh, God's hope to them and the promises that He promises. And so always, in all of the minor prophets and the major prophets, even when God is, is giving out uh, harsh judgment that is coming, there is always hope in the gospel message of the Messiah who is to come. And so it, chapter 5 is a continuation of those promises uh, that we're, we were given in chapter 4, and we'll see that again in just a moment. You know, sometimes in life we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place. And that's kind of where the people of God, the people of Israel here were uh, in this passage. They were facing difficult days. Uh, They were, it was was a difficulty of their own making, uh, but difficult nonetheless. Judgment was coming. Uh, They soon were going to face this massive Assyrian army who is going to attack Jerusalem. Uh, Just giving that little bit of background, Assyria had already begun to attack the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, Israel had been divided into two, Israel uh, in the north, uh, Judah in the south, uh, the whole of the nation uh, after Solomon. And so now they have continued to rebel against God and God is bringing His judgment. Assyria has come down on the northern kingdom. We've read several prophets, minor prophets, who've, who've preached that message to Israel. Uh, Micah has preached a little bit of that message to Israel, but he's also preached it mostly to the southern kingdom, to Judah, because it's kind of like a cancer. It spread from the north into the sou- southern kingdom here, uh, and it's continued on and on. And so now this Assyrian army is fixing to come against Jerusalem. Uh, they would eventually, uh, the Israelites would eventually, in a hundred years, be taken into exile. By the Babylonians. Now, if you remember anything about this history of the Assyrians, the Assyrians do come, uh, they do come into Judah, they do ravage a lot of places in Judah, they do go to come against Jerusalem itself. But then they get another of their enemies back up north around around Syria that are coming in and attacking them. They look at it as a weakness there. They're all fighting this war down in Israel. We can attack Assyria and and overcome them. And so now Assyria has to go back uh, to their home nation uh, to defend their own home borders instead of going forth conquering these others uh, as they're doing here in Israel and Judah. And, And so God is not going to use Assyria to bring that ultimate judgment. He's going to use Babylon uh, to do that. And that's what's going to happen in about 100 years from from Micah here. But as as with every generation, there were some deeply rooted spiritual needs of the nation. Micah's message had been, as we said, one of impending judgment. And these people were between a rock and a hard place. Uh, They had to be wondering, if we're here in the midst of this rock and a hard place, Where is our help going to come from? It's not going to come from our brothers, our our relatives who are up in Israel because they've already been uh, decimated up there by the Assyrians. There's nobody left up there really to come and to help us to fight against anybody who comes against us. So where is our help going to come from if help is going to come at all? Because what we've been hearing from prophets like Micah and Amos and and Joel and Jonah is that this this judgment uh, is coming. Well, in God's, warning, in God's warnings, uh, there are opportunities. In God's warnings, there are these messages of hope. And so Micah answers that question, where would their help come from uh, if help would come at all here in chapter 5? Uh, in, in what is his most well-known prophecy uh, from the book of Micah, in Micah chapter 5 here in verses one down to verse five, where there, where was their rescue coming from? The same place that ours comes from. It comes from God. In chapter four, we saw the coming promises that, as we said, continues here. So let me just remind you of some of those promises that we saw in chapter four. We saw a promised kingdom that was coming in verse one through verse eight. We saw a promised deliverance in verse nine and verse, through verse 10, and then we saw a promised victory in verse 11 through verse 13. This passage in Micah chapter 5 and verse 1 through the beginning of verse 5 tells us that there is a promised king who is coming. Uh, Now, if you remember, since Josiah, there had not been uh, any godly kings uh, here in Israel. And even when there had been godly kings, uh, the people followed the Lord at that time. But as soon as that godly king died and was off the scene, they were back to their wicked ways uh, once again. So this promise is of a king who's coming to set up his reign eternally forever and ever and ever. And so that is a message of hope to them. They're looking for a king, they want a king, and God says there is a king who is coming. So let's read, if you will, uh, verses 1 down through the beginning of verse 5. Now muster your troops, o daughter, o daughter of troops, siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. And that's where we'll stop with verse 5. He shall be their peace. So notice where their victory, where their rescue comes from. It comes from God. Here Micah looks ahead to the Babylonian siege that's coming later uh, upon Jerusalem. Uh, so many soldiers, he said, are going to be encamped around Jerusalem that Micah calls her the city or the daughter of troops. That's what he means there by daughter of troops. There are so many troops of the enemy who are gathered around the city of Jerusalem. When King Zedekiah and his officers see their hopeless, how, how hopeless their situation is, uh, when you read about it later in, in the Old Testament in 2 Kings uh, chapter 25, uh, they, they try to escape. Uh, but the Babylonians catch up to King Zedekiah and his officers. They capture them in, that, in 2 Kings 25. And, of course, they humiliate the king by striking him with a rod across the face. They kill his sons. They put his eyes out. They bind him, and they take him off to Babylon in, in humiliation. Uh, The fact that Micah chapter 5 verse 2 is in contrast to verse 1, notice what verse 2 began with again. So he's talking about the daughter of troops in verse 1, but he says in verse 2, but you, O Bethlehem Ephratah. That shows us that verse 1 is not speaking about Jesus uh, because verse 2 through verse 5 definitely refers uh, to the Messiah. Uh, God selected this small little town of Bethlehem as the place where the king of the Jews was to be born. Uh, It was this prophecy that the priests uh, would share uh, with the magi uh, who came to Jerusalem looking for the king. You remember they came looking for a king and and even went to Herod and said, where's this king we've read about and heard about? Uh, And they said, we don't know. Uh, we followed, they said, well, we followed this star uh, to get here. And so uh, that's what, it, what it comes from here in Micah, Micah chapter 5 that they had read. Now Bethlehem, uh, you remember what it means? House of bread. House of bread. Uh, Bethlehem has an interesting history. Uh, if you'll remember all the way back in the book of Genesis, uh, Jacob's favorite wife, uh, Rachel, died near Bethlehem. Uh, when she gave birth to Benjamin, and she was buried nearby Bethlehem in Genesis chapter 35. In Matthew, Matthew reminds us of this when he reports the slaying uh, of the innocent children by Herod in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 to verse 18, talking about Rachel. Uh, In in her pain, uh, Rachel named the baby Ben-Ani, which means son of my sorrow, But Jacob, if you'll remember, renamed the boy and called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. Now in doing both of those, her naming him uh, son of my sorrow, Jacob naming him uh, the the son of my right hand, those two names remind us of the suffering of Jesus uh, and his glory, the cross and the throne, uh, that there would be suffering and yet there would be glory also. Uh, as Jesus would be at the right hand of the Father. So uh, that's an interesting part of history here about Bethlehem and what he's giving us here in this prophecy, also. Uh, you'll also remember that Ruth and Naomi uh, came to Bethlehem, where Boaz fell in love with Ruth uh, and married her. Uh, Ruth is the ancestor of the Messiah, Matthew chapter 1. Verse 5, and then, of course, David. David was Bethlehem's greatest son. If they had a a, a claim to fame uh, to say, uh, you know, sometimes you think about those who have gone on from small towns to play at some major sports uh, group, whether it's football or baseball or whatever it might be. Their claim to fame for Bethlehem in that little tiny town was David. Uh, it, It was through David's family that the promised Messiah was to be born. Uh, And the Jews knew that their Messiah would come from Bethlehem. This wasn't the first time uh, that a prophet had given a prophecy about where the Messiah would come from. You would think that the very Son of God uh, would have come to some great city, maybe Athens in Greece, or maybe Jerusalem, uh, the capital itself. But God chose uh, for His Son to be born in a humble stable, a, a cave there in Bethlehem where they kept their sheep. And, and from their vantage point, uh, this coming rescue came from an unlikely and surprising place. It comes from this small little town, uh, an out-of-the-way kind of place called Bethlehem. And we notice several things uh, about this. Understand that God doesn't turn His attention uh, to, the, to the rich and famous, uh, to the bigger and better, uh, to the major cities. Uh, Help isn't coming from the centers of political power uh, and influence. Help isn't coming from the religious power uh, and the so-called spiritually elite and educated class. It wasn't coming from those who were the keepers uh, of God's law. Uh, Their rescue wasn't coming uh, from the social elites or the places of privilege. It wasn't coming from Jerusalem. We might say today uh, that it wasn't coming from Nashville, which is our capital, uh, or it wasn't coming from uh, Washington, D.C. That's not where our help is is for us even. It was coming for them from Bethlehem, Ephratah. Now, notice he distinguishes it, and he doesn't just say Bethlehem. Why is that? Because there's more than one place. It's called Bethlehem. In fact, there's another Bethlehem that's up in the northern kingdom, up in Israel, Bethlehem of Zebulun, And so he's distinguishing Bethlehem Ephratah from Bethlehem of the tribe of Zebulun uh, that's referred to in Joshua chapter 19 in verse 10 through verse 16. That means that this prophecy is getting very specific. It doesn't say that the Messiah is going to be born somewhere in the Middle East not just even in the nation of israel itself not just in one of the two southern one of the kingdoms naming it just judah he comes all the way down to this tiny little town and specifies which tiny little town this is going to be because the other one was as as small also uh and and so he specifies it's bethlehem uh, of ephratop it narrows down an already narrow field which makes the prophecy increasingly amazing uh, and the the factor of of how that would be fulfilled. And so while parts of this prophecy are still vague, God gives Micah here some very specific information. Uh, We know that this prophecy, which was given some 700 to 750 years before uh, Jesus was born, was ultimately fulfilled that first Christmas when Christ was born. Uh, That would be like me standing here tonight and saying uh, that in the year 27-23, the President of the United States is going to come from Nashville, Kansas, not Nashville, Tennessee. How in the world would I know that? It's a little tiny town. There is a Nashville, Kansas, if you want to look it up. I've been there. It's a tiny town, 54 population. (laughs) So... Uh, But it'd be like that, saying in 700 years from this microscopic town is going to come the next president. Well, Bethlehem Ephratah was so small and so insignificant that it wasn't even listed, he said, among the clans uh, when Joshua divided the land. They listed cities when they divided the land. They listed other places. But Bethlehem didn't even get a mention. It was a podunk town. It was a know-nothing town. It was a no red light town. I I grew up in one of those. Uh, No red light in the town for years. They have a red light now, uh, but they they didn't for many years. Uh, 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 So he says, this is a small, insignificant town, too little to be among the clans of Judah. And so a clan means that it's the meaning of thousands. Uh, thousands that are able to contribute or raise something of an army to contribute to the defense of a nation. So you'd have to have thousands uh, to gather from a city. So you take Tullahoma here, uh, we've got 21 to 26,000, depending on which way you do the, the math, uh, whether you do it in the city limits or you do it by the zip code. Uh, and so uh, it would be like us saying, well, we've got 26,000, let's take that number, and saying, well, we've got at least a 1,000 that we could send off to battle uh, in, in that kind of situation. Bethlehem didn't have that. They didn't even have a thousand uh, to send off to battle uh, to contribute to the defense. Bethlehem didn't even meet that standard. And so hearing this message, as, as Micah is sharing this message, think about who's hearing this message. Uh, your, your, your priests are hearing this message. Your religious leaders are hearing this message. And Micah says, Bethlehem Ephratah that's where the Messiah is coming from. That was almost like a slap in their face. They're like, wait a second, that little insignificant town out there, what about us? We're here in Jerusalem. This is the center of everything. The, the temple is here. This is where all the structure is of, of the religious uh, structure here. And it would have been a slap into the face of the, the arrogant leadership of Jerusalem. In fact, we know that, because when you go all the way back over to the New Testament, you remember when Nathanael uh, was sought out by Philip in and, and, and John chapter 1 and verse 45 and verse 46, when Philip told him that we found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Do you remember what Nathanael said? Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth well Nazareth was one of those also that's where he was he grew up as a boy he was born in Bethlehem but he grew up in in Nazareth and and that was the sentiment in Jesus's day of where he grew up that was the sentiment in Micah's day uh, of Bethlehem where Jesus was born it didn't have much to offer to think that some rescuer is going to come from Bethlehem to, to the religious leaders that was almost scandalous uh, and, and highly unlikely from their perspective. Oh, no, that's just an insignificant place. Now, they had already got, had their one great leader, you remember we said before, uh, coming from David there. How could it possibly strike twice, lightning strike twice, and just get two great leaders, David and then this Messiah who would come? Not likely. But what we see here from this prophecy is that this rescuer not only came from an unlikely place, He came from a unique heritage. Look again at verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth one for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old from ancient days so what does does what that reference some will say based on the context found in Micah it goes back to the unique heritage from long ago a heritage that has its roots in Bethlehem uh, of Rachel Jacob's wife and uh, who was buried there Ruth and Boaz who lived there David who was who was born there who was the standard uh, by which all kings would be judged in Israel but in this prophecy, Micah reveals to us some, uh, a number of important facts about the Messiah. To begin with, he is the eternal God. Because notice, his goings out are from of old, from days, uh, he, he, uh, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days or uh, eternity. And, and that's exactly what happens. Jesus steps out of eternity into human history sent by the Father to die for the sins of the world. But he's also uh, truly a man because he was born uh, a human child. And so here we have uh, the, the, the beginnings of the prophecies referring to uh, the incarnation, uh, that here would be God in the flesh uh, who would be born. And so we know uh, with the benefit of the New Testament that this probably points to more than Jesus' unique heritage, his connection to David and Bethlehem, but also has a double nuance because it also points to his divinity, that he is God in the flesh. And that means that their rescue and our rescuer wasn't just from God, it is God. And so three things that we can learn here are, is that God doesn't always work according to the expectations of men. In fact, you can see this in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. I don't have these verses on the screen so you might jot them down so you could look at them later. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 says, "For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God." And so God doesn't always work to to according to our expectations. He works to bring about his power and his glory, not only that the means by which salvation comes is through the foolishness of preaching. As you go on in that same chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And then also we learn that God delights in using the most unlikely instruments to, to better display His glory. Uh, so think about not only this situation but but uh, all the kinds of people that that God uh, generally calls to proclaim his message i mean think about who micah is micah micah was a farmer he wasn't some rich city boy he wasn't a wealthy heir to to some throne or anything he's just a farmer from out in the country uh, who has come to to preach god's truth and god's word and so god uses all kinds of people uh, throughout the bible first corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 through verse 28 goes on to say for consider your calling brothers not many of you were wise according to worldly standards not many of you were powerful not many of you were of noble birth but god chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise god chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong god chose what is low And despised in the world even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God Uh, again that's 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 to 28 God doesn't work according to our expectations he delights in, in, in using the most unlikely instruments for his glory and that's exactly why he sends the rescuer Uh, for the nation of Israel here in chapter 5, the way he does, when he does. Uh, Notice here in verse 2 that he sends the rescuer for his glory. Notice what he says. uh, So right after he talks about the clans of Judah in verse 2, he says, From you shall come forth for who? Me. Our expectation would be you. Should be the word there. Not me. Our expectation would be that he's saying, the rescuer is going to come for you, the nation of Israel. But the prophecy says, the rescuer is coming for me. What's he talking about? What is that? God says he will go out for me. You know, ultimately, this isn't for this rescuer, is not for the people's sake, it's for God's sake. Yeah, it benefits the people. But God's actions and God's provisions uh, meets their needs. But ultimately, all of this was to display God's glory. God's glory is seen in the creation. God's glory is seen in in redemption. And God's glory is seen in the rescue of His people. He rescues His people from their enemy for His name's sake. And he rescues his people from their enemies, symbolized by this reference to Nimrod uh, down in verse six that we'll get to uh, in just a moment. Uh, Nimrod was the founder of the city of Babylon, a mighty hunter before the Lord, uh, gathering men to make uh, to, to himself to make a name for themselves over and against God in Genesis chapter ten, verse uh, Genesis ten through eleven. Uh, and Nimrod and Assyria are representative of all the enemies not only of the nation of Israel but also our enemies. so in the redemption of those who he has chosen the remnant in redemption in Jesus we see the goodness of God we see the love of God Uh, we see uh, his grace we see in this his mercy but we also just as we saw in chapters 1 through chapter 3 we saw his justice we saw his holiness we saw his righteousness and so God sends Jesus for his own glory, because he is redeeming for himself a people of his own possession. So understand that when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, he purchased you. You are no longer your own, you are his possession. God is glorified in his care and his protection of his possession, his people. He provides and he protects as the shepherd does his sheep, that's what he's talking about uh, as we get down to verse 4. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord is God, and they shall dwell secure for now. He shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. We, we all know that carries a beautiful imagery and brings comfort. You think about the peace in, in Psalm 23 that is brought. Uh, by, the, by the great shepherd. Uh, in John chapter 10 in the New Testament, for us, we read that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So Micah is telling us that the one who will shepherd us uh, will, will not just bring us peace, he, he himself will be our peace. And so this idea of peace or shalom it is not just an ending of the strife, an ending of